what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about our DNA. Um, and really, we're talking about our core values. Um, our core values, we have four of them. And we're going to get into why there are four in just a minute. Um, but when I think about values, I think about the things that are most important to us. Um, and I don't know about you and kind of where you learn this, but, but my wife and I started learning this like on our honeymoon. Like we would go on our honeymoon and we had all these choices and, and we went through this um, travel agent, uh, which we've never done that before and, or after. You know, we, we used a travel agent once and this travel agent gave us all kinds of really fun things to do um, in this, you know, cheap package, you know. And um, I remember at one point we, we were sent out to go swim like um, scuba style, like with, with turtles. And that sounds exciting, right? You think like you're going to Hawaii, we're going to spend all this money, like scuba diving and like swimming and all this kind of stuff sounds exciting until you get picked up in a van and dropped off on some remote beach, which by the way, you hear remote beach and you're like, hmm, remote beach in Hawaii, it sounds good. This is similar to like the gravel in the parking lot is what the beach looked like. Um, it was just this gray, nasty day, which I know they can't control anything about that, but they, they gave us, um, they, gave a, <laughs> they packed our lunches for us in brown bags, bread, one slice of turkey, bread in the bag, and like, like juice boxes and things like that. And they said, and, and when you're ready, like here's all your scuba gear, and, and it was like flippers and like a snorkel, I think, and some goggles, and there's that island out there. And when I say out there, I mean like way further than I am willing to swim. And you're like, it must not be far. Like, look at you. It's not like Christy was excited about it, right? Let's go swim out there. Let's go see the turtles. And I was like, I didn't go on a honeymoon to like exercise. Like, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, like this is supposed to be relaxing and fun. And like, it just didn't seem very fun to me. Um, we even, I think about our date nights and we think about, you know, when, when, when it's time to go on a date, we pick, you know, we pick a place that we love to eat or we, 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 we pick the entertainment. So for us, it's generally like a movie. I know that's probably kind of boring, but if we're going to go to a movie, we're, we're trying to eat somewhere kind of fast and kind of inexpensive because movies at this point are more expensive than the meal. Um, and so we're like, where's your value? Like, what is most important to you? Think, think Ohio State. Think, think the decision that Urban Meyer had at at his uh, grips with this quarterback decision at the beginning of the season? Like, what, what's your value? Like, and I'm just curious, like, if you're an Ohio State follower, who says, like, Cardell Jones all the way? Right, the big guy, he can lumber, th like, you can't really tackle him because he's just so large, right? He's got a rocket for an arm, but then you've got JT Barrett. Anyone say, like, yes, it's definitely like JT Barrett, and I'm on that team. Hayden raises hands for both, and that's cheating. That's, ex ex that's officially what that's called. <laughs> JT can, can throw, he can run, he can do, he's so mobile, right? Um, a rough weekend for JT Barrett right now, and we'll get past that. But, um, you know, Urban had this decision, and the whole country is, like, looking because they're the number one team, the championship team, and they have two, really three, like, star quarterbacks to choose from. Like, what's your value, right? <laughs> one quarterback goes to play wide right. Apparently, that's what happens when you have three really good quarterbacks. Like, you can do those kinds of things. But what's your value? So for us, our core values and our DNA – is all mixed up in what is most important to us. So 
So we could talk about vision and mission and all that kind of stuff all day, but at the end of the day, our core values really form like our guardrails, right? They are the, the, the things that, that, that wreck us. Like, so for me, I remember um, if, you've ever, if you've ever sat in a, in a church service and, and, and what the pastor was saying was welling up inside of you and saying, yes, we need to move forward with that. those passionate moments where you realize that something bigger was happening kind of inside of you. Those are those moments that you realize what your core values are. Um, you might ask these core values in your own life. Like, what is it when it relates to a job? You could, you could work a job where you never see your kids and you work 80 hours a week, but you make more money than you'll ever know what to do with. Or you can make a little bit less money, have a lot of free time, only work 40 hours, but you can, you know, you're going to make a lot less. You have those values. I have those conversations. I've had several of those conversations with you guys. In fact, every time I have a meeting with someone about our age, we're kind of like um, out of college maybe, like starting a family. I've had probably five conversations this week with people who are like, I'm just not satisfied with my job situation right now, right? Because A... The money, it's okay, but I don't get to see my family. Or I don't get vacation, and I don't get Sundays off, so that's a problem for me. Or I hate work because my boss treats me like, like junk, but I'm paying the bills, so is, that, is this what I can look forward to? You have these moments where you start really un, unpacking what's important to you. Um, as a church... Um, we ought to have things that are most important to us, and we ought to be able to state those. We ought to be able to help people understand what those are. And for me, let me just help you understand the process that I went through to actually be able to articulate what our core values are. Um, I was called to plant a church in 2012, and I realized pretty early on that there were some things that were pretty important to me, but I didn't know how to articulate them. I couldn't have told you what was most important. I couldn't have told you how to make a church work or what are the important things to, to, to make those happen. And, but much more, like I could have told you, I know that when a church does this or when, he, when you turn on the news and you hear of, of, of someone that has um, abused their leadership in a certain way, something wells up inside of you and says, can it, can it be better than that? Right, and when when you when you are a part of a church, I I have a friend, and I'm going to be as general as I can right now. I have a friend in a big city uh, who goes to a college in that big city, and who who is familiar with a church in that big city. And every every weekend, there are homeless people laying on the steps of that church. And he could tell you that he has friends on the inside that want to be able to help, but the leadership is not interested. And there's something when I, when you see that picture, there's something for me that wells up inside of me that's like, that's not, that's not quite the picture that I see Jesus painting when he walks around in the New Testament. Or when you see people that are hurting, right? You see, um, anyone ever had a story like this? I remember as a kid walking into a church with a baseball hat on one time, big mistake, right? Big mistake. I walk into a church and, and, and a lady walks up to me and says, sir, at at this church, we wear our Sunday best. Why don't you take that hat off? And I remember thinking, like, I've, I've never, I, I, why? Like, you know, uh, why, why is that the first thing? Why? Hi, how are you? <laughs> you know, like the first thing for something that stuck with me. I was a kid. 
I was a kid, and I'm 32 years old, and I remember something stuck with me. There's these moments where we have these clarifying moments. So I want this series to help us know exactly what our DNA is, but I also want this to be maybe a version of you being able to kind of do this in your own life as well. For example, I don't want, I don't want us to be so good. I don't, let me just put it on me, okay? I don't want my life to be so wrapped up into Access Church. I don't want my vision for Access Church to be this big and my vision for my family be this big, right? I would call that backwards. I would call that backwards. I, I don't want uh, my vision for Access Church to overshadow or, or determine a couple things about my family, like, well, we can't do that, we can't do that because daddy's a pastor. I want my family to be able to thrive. And I want your family to be able to thrive. I want you to be able to say, you know what, things aren't right in my life, but I, I don't know exactly why. I want you to be able to creep down into the crevices of your soul and to be able to say, like, these are the things that are of utmost importance to us. DNA, if you'll, if you'll look at the screen, there's a definition of DNA. Um, and and D, uh, anyone want to take a shot at that? Deoxyribonucleic acid is a molecule that carries most of the genetic instructions used in the development, function, functioning, and reproduction of all known living organisms and many viruses. <laughs> like... So that's a tough one for the church definition, but this is straight off of Wikipedia, right? It's on the internet, so, so it's all true. Um, deoxyribonucleic acid is a mo molecule that carries... This is so interesting. Check this out. Genetic instructions used in develop, development, functioning, and reproduction. Like, these are all functions of a church, right? And, and I feel like it's interesting that we are, we are breaching from development into functioning, and I feel like in a lot of ways, we'll never stop developing. But as a launched entity, as a group, like here we are, we're functioning. And one day, one day, we'll be able to plant a church. Like that's a vision for us. One day, we will launch other churches so that, so that the help that has been given to us to be able to do this and to be able to reach into this community and help people is offered to other communities as well. Because of what God has done here, we ought to be able to do that in other places as well. So, so what is the DNA? What is the thing that makes us most special? What is the thing that sets us apart? Let me ask you this. If you, if you want to know what you value, like if you really, really want to know what you value, like if you're thinking about it, like in my own life, what is it that I value? I want to ask you three questions. These three questions, again, are going to bleed into your personal life and our church life as well. If you want to know what you value, just look at your decisions. And I want to, I want to remind you of three things. Look at what you spend your time on. Look at what you think about. And look at where you spend your money. Look at where you spend your time. Right? And, and, and there's all kinds of maybe you know, things that could creep up, like I have to be at work, and I have to sleep, and I have, I get it, I get it, I get it. I know there's bills, and I know there's kids to feed, and I know that all of that stuff, right? So, so what do we value? If we value, like, our family being sustainable, then we have a job that takes care of that. But if we, if we value 
Um, you know, like, do you value rest in your life? You can look at your schedule. Do you value rest? Do you spend time resting? Do you value fun? Do you value, like, uh, I had a conversation this week with a friend from Arkansas, and my friend from Arkansas said, can I just live a life where I eat barbecue and go sit and smoke cigars at the river? And I was like, I don't think that life, ex- like, do you have a home? He's like, well, of course I have a home. You know, I was like, I don't think that life exists. You know, I was like, and this guy's brilliant. This guy has a brilliant mind. And what I was saying to this guy is like, you may not know this, but your words provide clarity for other people. Like for you to go do that, like would, would rob us of that. But, but what is it that you spend your time on? Like, if you really want to know, and I'm not asking you like, to set that up for this week, because your values are shown, they're, just, they're put on display. If you look at the last week, right, or the last year, where did you spend your time on? What do you think about? What, what, what consumes your brain? Right? What consumes your thought space? What, co- what, what do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your money on? That's the dangerous one, right? Like, if you want to know what you value, we were having a conversation, um, I can't remember who it was, but we were talking, and, 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 and one of you guys, we were, we were talking about how, like, at the end of the day, when I get my paycheck, I want to pay all my bills, and then I want to eat really well. Like, I want to eat good meals. And for someone else, they'd be like, how many packages of ramen noodles can I eat so that I can save, 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 save? Right? And someone else would say, like, that life makes me want to throw up, like physically throw up the idea of, of, of spending all of your money on food or all of your money on vacation or all of your money on cars and homes and things like that. You can see what you value by what you spend your time on, what you think about, and what you spend your money on. It's interesting. So as a DNA of a church, what I want to pay attention to is I want to be able to be forward thinking about where we want to be. Right? These are things that, that drove us. These are the reasons, by the way, that, that we would do everything, like that we would move to the city of Columbus, that we would have no job, that we would raise support, that we would actually do all of this. These, these, are, the, these are the fourth reasons. Right? These are the four things that we want to be able to say about a church. When you ask people in this neighborhood right here, right, so you can walk out of this parking lot, go straight until you hit houses. When I... If you were to take a walk through that neighborhood right, in a year, and you were to say, what do you think that church values the most? Right, have you ever visited that church? Yeah, I've heard about them. You know. What would you say that church values the most? That could be a scary question, right? What do you think that church values the most? We're going to talk about the four things that we really want to be able to, to say. Craig Rochelle said it this way. Healthy cultures never happen by accident. They're created. And the number one force that shapes your culture is your values. Healthy cultures never happen by accident. And by the way, you could say it this way. Healthy families are never created by accident. Right? They're created. The number one force that shapes your culture is your values. So I want you to be able to think about in your own life and for Access Church what it is that we value and let me go ahead and give, give you one quick illustration before we get into the first one. Our four values form kind of a directional pattern. 
You might think of it as north, east, west, south. Um, There are four values, and as I was working through them, they seem to fall in a certain pattern of movement, right? Our values ought to produce passion enough that it gets us moving. Think about steam for a train, like it gets it going. Think about gasoline for a car. These are the things that get us moving, right? If we were to just be impassioned right here and not move and not do anything, right, then, then they're not truly values. They're just things that we want to be true. So what we're going to do is we're going to do week one. We're going to talk about this first one going up. Week two, we're going to go left. Week three, we're going to go South, I just said left and south, down, whatever, right? And so we're going to spend four weeks on these. First core value is this, and this is going to be the the up one. Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. And this is the one that was always so easy for me to say. And as you might look at that, you might be like, huh, you're a church. You're about Jesus. Surprise, surprise, right? Like, Of course you're about Jesus. Let me talk a little bit about this one. And and if you would like, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 9 to get us kicked off today. Numbers chapter 9 as I I get ready to talk about this. But let me tell you about why this is a core value. Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. Here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know this, but there are not many governing authorities over churches. Yes, there's the government. Yes, there's you know, like networks and things like that, but anyone can start a church, right? If you, um, if you paid attention, and, I, and I, I didn't bring a clip, but if you paid attention this last, um, this last probably three months ago, um, and I can't remember the guy's name. This just struck me. His name's Oliver. Um, he does one of these shows, um, like The Daily Show, but he did an investigation into churches, um, specifically mega churches, and even more specifically televangelists how they spend their money. And you could, you could hear all kinds of things. And he went into this, in, this big investigation, like what it would take to start a church. And he literally, from start to finish, went to the government, set up a nonprofit and all this kind of stuff, and set up a church. Any, anyone can go do this. This isn't something that um, is specifically like one person by the government is said, okay, like you're, you're the guy. This is an, an elected position. So, so when we say that our core value is who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus, what we're really saying is this. We could make this church about us if we wanted to. And there are a lot of ways to do that and make it culturally acceptable. But I refuse to do that. Let me put it this way. The rich young ruler walks up to Jesus, and this is not in Numbers, this is in the Gospels, so if you want to put this in a note to read later, you can. The rich young ruler walks up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, I've kept the law from my youth, I've, 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 I've done everything, what do I have to do? And he says, give everything you have, right, sell it all, give the money to the poor. And then you'll inherit the kingdom of heaven. And what, is, what does the rich young ruler do? He walks away sad. Because why? He had a lot of stuff. He walked away sad. Like he wasn't able to do that last thing. Right? If he was so perfect. And my guess is he wasn't. Right? You ever heard someone say like, yeah, I, I'm, I don't really do all that, you know, wrong. Like I'm kind of a, I grew up kind of a really, really good kid. And you're like, I'd like to ask your parents how good of a kid you were. Right? Like, I know you weren't a perfect kid. Um, but he says, I've done it all. I've, I've, I've done it all. What do I have to do? He walks away sad 
because he has a lot of stuff. Folks, that is a picture of us. We are the rich young ruler. We have taken part in our churches. We have given money to churches. We have given money to the poor. We have helped people when it was time. And when it comes down to it, America is at risk. I should say American Christians are at risk of being the rich young ruler because we don't know how good we have it. And we don't know how many systems have been set up so that we can have what we have and consume and keep, right, and sustain that relationship with money and with stuff and grow that relationship with money and stuff. Like, wait for Black Friday and turn on the news. I don't think I need to go any further. Like, it gets ugly out there, right? We, as a country, and, and really as a, as a culture of, of today's world, but we are in danger of being the rich young ruler, walking away sad because faith wasn't exactly what we had in mind. It's interesting. If you read the Gospels, there's all kinds of stories of people that thought they had it figured out and didn't because they weren't willing, catch this, they weren't willing to zero in on what the Son of God was saying. Did you catch that? They weren't willing to hear what God was saying to them, and they, they literally ran from God in that moment. They crucified the Son of God because it made them that uncomfortable. It made them that, and they thought the whole time they were doing the right thing. We're in danger of that. We could do church in such a way that, that all of this works and that we never help the city. It, we could do church in such a way that we never share the gospel. We could do church in such a way that we keep saved people happy and never reach out to the lost. I could do my life in such a way as a human being and never meet another unsaved person, right? Someone that doesn't believe in Jesus. Like, I could do life that way. Listen, I was a church staffer for nine years, and it is so easy to work my nine to five within the walls, go home, you know, to, to a home full of Christians. Well, my kids aren't necessarily, I don't know what you call my kids. They're not Christians. They're definitely not Christians. Um, you know, you've been around. They're definitely not Christians. Um, go home to my Christian wife, right? Hang out in my Christian small group. Hang out with my Christian friends. And I could set my life up in such a way that I never do the things that Jesus actually says to do. So, is this true in our lives? Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. When we read about Jesus in the New Testament, does our life look like him or not? When he calls us to do something, do we look like him or not? In, in Numbers chapter 9, which was long before Jesus, we see this story. And we actually started reading in chapter 9 of Numbers uh, before we ever actually physically launched the church. If you remember, there's the tabernacle. Remember, they set this thing up and it's mobile. It's mobile church. We know what mobile church is like, right? They set this thing up and they tear it down. Because, well, let me just, I'm skipping past the point. Let's put the, if you don't have Bible, by the way, the, the verses will be on the screen. We're just going to read about nine verses or so. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And that evening, it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always, the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that, the people of Israel set out. In other words, they followed wherever God went. God was in the cloud and in the fire. If it was time for God to move, the people followed. After that, the people of Israel set out in the place where the clouds settled down. There, the people of Israel camped. 
verse 18, and the command of the Lord of the people set out and the command at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Verse 20, Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, this is very repetitive, by the way. Like, if you're catching on, this is like, it's the same thing, it's the same thing, it's the same thing. There's a purpose here. Um, Sometimes the cloud remained from it from evening until morning. Even when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out, or if it continued for a day or a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. And the last slide is just this. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel uh, remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. At the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Guys, this is so interesting to me, and we've got to pay attention to what's happening here. Like, if, you, if you're not catching on, like, he's, he's repeating himself, and he's repeating himself, and he's repeating himself. When God goes, we follow. When God stays, we camp. Right? If all of a sudden God is saying, go this direction, we pack all our stuff up. Think about what that looks like in your life. Uh, think about what you ha- if you had to do that with your home, by the way. Nightmare. Right, come to my basement. It's a nightmare. Right? Think about all the th- think about the stuff that you're allowed to have if you do that. You've just got to be able to carry it, right? Look like strap it on top of the donkey, I guess, and send him. But like think of all think of the way you do life in such a way that if God goes that way, I'm going that way. Think about what it would look like if our lives were literally that tuned in to the voice of God. That's what I want to be said about my life. Like when they, when they saw God move, they moved. When it was time to go, they went. Like it's very important that I think as Christians, our life looks like this. Now, if you're not a Christian, I understand this is all kind of like checking this out. But, but as Christians, I want to be able to look at us and say, you know what? We may not be pretty, we may not be all polished, we may meet in an elementary school, but here's what we know, like, when it's time to go, we can go. Think about this, think about, um, I I heard stories of of a church that moved into a facility that that went into debt to make it look really nice and all this kind of stuff, and they could never even finance it out of that, and there was a time where God asked them to get involved in missions, and they couldn't, why? Because they were in debt. I think that's a practical principle, right? Right? I think of, of my life, like when I got into debt, like, and, and I felt like there was times where God was saying, I want you to give to that ministry. I think there was times where God was asking me, I want you to give to that missionary. People would send me missionary letters. I'm going on a mission trip to Africa, to, to Macedonia, to Italy, to somewhere, and I would always send back, like, I'll pray for you. Even though I, asked, I felt like God maybe was calling me to do something. What would it look like if we arranged our lives around God rather than ourselves? This is a mind change for Americans. This is a mind change for me. And by the way, before I go any further, I wake up every morning caring about me, myself, and I. Like anyone else with me? Like that's my default. I wake up every morning like that. And I have to look in the mirror and say, it's up to God. It's not up to me, right? It's, it's, it's God's life. If I have truly surrendered my life to God, 
then I've got to give all of that up to him. So why does this value mean so much to us? Like this is, listen, we, we started when, when I was like in the beginning stages of figuring out like how do we get this thing rolling? Like what, the questions were asked like what is most important to you? Like you could plant all kinds of churches. You could plant a church that looks like a circus you could plant a church that looks like a missionary sending launch pad. You could, you could plant all kinds of, what is most important to you? I had written down like 10 things. And um, I remember thinking, man, this is a lot, you know? This is a lot. Could we remember all these things? Like in some of these things, they kind of sound like each other. So I started kind of combining and, and we got down to these four things. And listen, I need you to understand that this is a high value to us because I spent time thinking about and praying about and asking God to give us direction. If you're calling us to plant a church, what kind of church do you want us to plant? Why does this mean so much to us? Here's the first reason. Because we don't ever want to confuse our preferences with God's plan. We don't ever want to confuse our preferences with God's plan. And listen, our preferences get in the way. And sometimes our preferences sound like needs, don't they? Like sometimes our wants in our life, they're like, well, I mean, if I don't have the Lexus, then, you know, my car is probably going to break down, you know, if I don't have a Maserati, you know, my car is probably not going to, I need a dependable car for work. I probably ought to, that sounds like a want to me, right? Um, I don't know what, what it is in your life. Um, there's all kinds of things that we could have made a decision to do with this church. And all I want to do, honestly, is focus in on what God wants for us and do that. I, I literally, because here's the deal. At the end of my life, I don't want to look back and say, sure wish I would have done it differently. I sure wish we would have focused on the things that God wanted us to focus on. Seemed like we built a church for us. It seemed like we built a church that really filled our wants and our preferences. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I literally want to get to the, the gates of heaven, and when it's time for me to meet God face to face, I want him to say, you nailed it. Right? Not because we're awesome, but because we were listening. Right? Ministry, listen, ministry is as easy as listening to God's voice and obeying. The Christian life is as easy as listening to the voice of God and obey. It's crazy how we complicate it. I complicate it, right? Um, I don't ever want to confuse our preferences with God's plan. Luke 24, 49 is a perfect example. Um, there's this moment where Jesus has just resurrected, right? And he is getting ready to ascend to the Father. He says this to them. This is like his last thing he says right before Acts 1. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, if you've, if you've read the New Testament or parts of the New Testament, if you've been in our launch team meetings where we walked through Luke, like verse by verse, chapter by chapter, what we did is we studied Luke's, you know, authoring um, Jesus from birth to death to resurrection. And you get right up until the very end. And Jesus is, is telling them, wait, stay, right? Camp out, don't do anything, don't move until I clothe you with power on high. 
Guys, that is important. Understand this, that if we go without God, if we plant this church and, and God's blessing is not on this church, we, we have wasted our time. We have, if we live our life in such a way that we would say like, yeah, I want to honor God with my life, but really you're going your own direction, it's, 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 a, it's a mistake, isn't it? I don't ever want us to answer this like Jesus says, stay in the city until you're clothed with power on high. Because what's about to happen is Pentecost is about to happen. And Peter, the guy who has kind of been like mouthing off for the last three years, is allowed to preach the Pentecost sermon where 3,000 people, 3,000 lives were changed, right? And how did he do it? Because Peter's awesome? Peter's not awesome, right? I'm not awesome. When God called me to plant a church, I thought, you jacked up, God. You got the wrong dude. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not the one. But when God says, no, 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 I'm sending you with my power, understand that it was never about you in the first place. It was never something within me to be able to plant a church. It was never something within me to be able to love my wife and kids. It's never something within me. It's God's power. And so when God says, stay in the city, I promise you, you don't want to do Pentecost without me. I wonder what Pentecost would have looked like without the Holy Spirit. There would have been no Pentecost. There would have been no Holy Spirit falling. There would have been no people saved, right? When ministries go without God, when ministries try to operate without the Holy Spirit, they're no less than social clubs, right? They're businesses. It's a place to work. It's a place to, to wake up early on Sunday morning to not be involved. Like, you might as well sleep in. If the Holy Spirit is not going to be involved in what we're doing, I'd rather sleep in. I don't like waking up early. I'll do it for God. Absolutely, I'll do it for God. But if God is not going to be here, what we're doing is a waste of time. Let us never forget, right? And, 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 and it's so interesting that what would happen in Acts is, is the church would explode, not because the disciples had it all perfect, but because God was involved. Right? Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. The second, the second reason is because what's important to God should be of utmost importance to us. And I don't know what your values are as a, as, a, as a person, whether you're a Christian or not. Like, if you're not a Christian, there's a good chance you don't agree with this line, and that's okay because I understand you may not be there yet. I wasn't there for a long time. But when I surrendered my life to Jesus, all of a sudden, this rang true in my life. It had to. In order to be someone who is real, right? In order to be someone who is fully surrendered to God, you've got to look at what breaks God's heart, and it's got to break your heart. Right, so this, this means that when God shows you that something is wrong in, in his word, right? By the way, if you're looking to figure out what God's will is, here you go, right? It's right here. It's written, right? Do I do this? Do I do that? Well, God has written all kinds of stuff in his word to us that we would discover it and learn his will for us, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 would say, don't be conformed, right, to the world, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Reading his word, like paying attention to what he says so that your, your mind is filled with his thoughts and not your own, right? And then you'll know the will of God, right? Understand that it's here, right? So when we say that, like, what's important to God should be of utmost importance to us, the, really the test is, is what happens a year from now. Like, where are we? Ten years from now, where are we? And the test for me personally is where am I in my life? Because if I give up on this, 
then my, my family's affected, my wife is affected, my kids are affected. My, like, if I give up on this, I can kiss my Christian life goodbye. Like, that's not, that's not what God's plan is. What's important to God should be of utmost importance to us. There's a verse I want to share with you. It's in Matthew. This is, um, this is where Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Right? They're trying to trip him up. They're trying, to, they're, trying to, they're trying to put him in a corner. And so he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. Oh, okay, good. He says, this is the great and, great and first commandment. The second is like it. And they're like, wait, 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 we asked for one. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all, depend all the law and the prophets. How interesting is it that Jesus would be asked for one, he gives them two. It's because the two are inseparable. If you love God, you love people. If you want to show how much you love God, then love the people that he loves. If you want to show God how much you love him, then show how much you love him by loving the people that he loves. That's a tough one. It leads us into our, our third point, and the last point is because the power to be used by God is in him and not in us. We're nothing without him. Right? If we really want to set out to be a church that serves the people of this community, then we can't do it on our own. We can't, we can't show up and, and, and tell people how to do something out of our own strength and power. It's got to be birthed out of God's power. Right? God is sending us with his power. The Holy Spirit inside of us is the one who will work. But if we choose to go our own path, then we will never go with God's power and we will never impact a community. Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. That means everything to me. That means that when there's a time for a decision to be made that will impact the life of our church, we don't just flippantly make a decision or make a decision that's best for us. We pray and we ask God to give us direction, and we ask wise counsel from other pastors because we don't want to just do something that would be unwise. When it comes to um, examples in Scripture, think about when it was time for Jesus to finally lay his head down at night and people walked up to him and needed something. Very often what Jesus would do is sacrifice his time and his rest to go serve that person. That's a picture of the church I want to be at. When I, when I think of the church I want to be at, I think of a church that, that reaches out to a community even though we could, we, we could pay our bills, we could save money, we could, we could have a bunch of cool stuff, we could go buy a building and we could stock it with all kinds of stuff, or we could serve a community. Or we could use it to reach people. Or we could, what is it? What is it that we're going to be about? Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. Now here's the last point. And this is maybe what's most important because I've got to say this. This is, this is the dangerous one because our church, think about it, like how you define a church matters to this conversation because if, if your definition of a church is what happens inside of this room on Sunday mornings, then we've got it wrong. Right? The church is the called out people of God. The church is the people. The church is, is us. I, I am the church. You're the church. You're the church. Like We're the body of Christ together. So what happens on Monday is where these values really matter. What happens at work 
What happens with your friends? What happens with your enemies? What happens when God is calling you to do something and it's time to obey and it would be easy if it was in church, but it's not in church, you're with your friends, are you going to obey or not? Who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. Now here's what you may be thinking like, Mark, I wasn't around when you came up with these values. You can't just put these values on me. I get it. I hear you. Here's what I want to ask you. Challenge yourself if your life matches up with God's word. And if you would call yourself a Christian, my, my challenge to you would be to get as close as you can to what a, a believer in the word of God looks like. Get as close, to you, as close as you can to what Jesus exemplifies in the New Testament. Get as close as you can to what Jesus is calling you to do today. Are you going to be perfect? No. No. But you're going to follow after him as closely as you can. Why? Like, why? Like, what's the point? What are all the alternatives? Think of all the other things that you could spend your life on. Think of all the other things that you could spend your money, right? Your time and your thought space on. Like, what are those things? Do they match up? Do God's promises outweigh those other alternatives in your life? What are those temporary things that we tend to spend our life on. I'm challenging you and I'm challenging me to to let it be said about our life, not just Access Church, but our lives. Because like I said, we are only as Access Church going to be as strong as the people decide to surrender their whole lives to God. Surrender their whole lives to God. If that's scary to you, welcome to the club. Right? If that's scary to you, I guarantee the disciples, when Jesus said, come follow me, listen, they were leaving their family business to follow this man that just walks up and he's going to make some pretty outlandish claims. They were leaving friends, family, and Jesus was saying, listen, don't go tell your mom and dad bye. It's time to go right now. Right? What is Jesus calling you to this morning? What are the areas of sacrifice that you need to embrace? Why don't you close your eyes, and I I just want to spend just a minute or two reflecting on what it is exactly that God is calling us to do this morning. Maybe he's calling you to start defining your values for your life. Because maybe there's some things wrong in your life, and you know that at the end of the day that that you are not seeing the results in your life that you want to see. Maybe you you need to start wrestling with, with what you want your life to look like. Maybe it's time to reverse engineer your life in such a way that you would say, at the end of my life, I want to look back and I want to say these three things are true about me. Maybe it's time to start thinking about that. Maybe it's time for you to start thinking about what it is that you need to surrender today. Maybe, maybe the idea that that surrender is what this Christian life is about is, is a new idea to you. It's a new idea to all of us at some point. And, and, and maybe you're wrestling with that. Take some time to, to, to just call out to God and, and just in prayer and just think about what it is that that would look like in your life. In my life, I called out to God as a teenager. And I remember this moment where I gave everything to God 
because I was sick and tired of my life not being fully devoted to him. If you've never had that moment, I want to challenge you to make that moment right now. To surrender your life to Jesus, who is good, who loves you, who has a plan for your life, who has given up everything for you, who died on a cross for you. What is it? I'm going to pray for you. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you've given us the time, the space this morning to think about these words. Lord, when you say that we're to trust you with everything and not to lean on our own understanding, I I believe that you're trustworthy. Lord, when you say that we are to surrender our lives and follow you, right, or or we're not worthy of you, Lord, I believe that some of us need to uh, uh, adopt a, a lifestyle of surrender this morning. I believe that some of us need to begin a relationship with you today. Lord, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would guide us in that. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen.